A huge shout-out of thanks to our major sponsor, Pertech. If you have Pertech on your team, they will never let you down. Visit Pertech at pertech.com.au. Welcome, team. I'm very excited to bring to you Emma Lawrence. Now, Emma... I'm not a polished journalist doing an introduction. Could you train me, right? I wouldn't say I'm a podcast pro. Yeah. Because TV is different. Like, well, right. TV is all about, yeah, from the beginning having energy and stuff. But, but a podcast, you also want to be relaxed, right? Like, yes. it's kind of, I think That's you. That's my argument. Like, yeah. you. Because the beauty of a podcast is that you just feel like you're sitting and chatting to someone. You don't actually feel like you're in an interview because you relax. Yes. So. I don't know, it, it, it's the balance then between being, because you don't want to look like you're on a TV broadcast starting State of Origin going, welcome everyone, because Thank it's, you. yeah. Thank no, I think you, you do a good job. You'd... Because I, I do get this feedback around you need, well, in particular, so the sound one we do on the Apple Podcasts yeah. and Spotify and all that type of stuff, it's a bit different, but the YouTube stuff, you need to grab people's attention because yeah. you want them to stay on and watch. Yeah. But I'm just well, getting that balance. I'm just finding. Always my way. think energy, but energy. you don't. You don't have to be over. Just be yourself. Okay. I think be yourself is it well, the best piece of advice. advice I could, I could say. Well, welcome everybody. <laughs> I have Emma Lawrence here, who uh, her knowledge of the game of rugby league has probably set her a bench above other people. I believe in Thanks. in the journalism space. Not just your knowledge. I feel your empathy towards. You've lived the life of a family of people in rugby league because your brother was a superstar player and a um, very well-respected player on and off the field. So you you have this level of empathy and then you have this, there's this trust factor when Emma Lawrence walks in a rugby league or a sporting environment. There's a trust factor that's just kind of automatically there between you and the player or you and the coach, even though sometimes Journalism is a tough game. Like you can get tarnished with the same brush. You can yeah. have people that have sometimes. Been, well, it's, well, everyone hates us. Well, everyone hates you, and then and everyone. Um, someone's been burnt before, yeah. so they hold it against you. When yeah. it was probably the boss that said, "Do that story because yeah. it'll get us ratings." So, how do how do you go when you have to do a tough story and? you know what it's going to be like and how that may affect their family. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's interesting, the dynamic. I, I, I think at times players and coaches, I totally understand there's, um, they have reservations with the media and a lot of them have been burnt by the media at times, but um, I don't think we're all out to, to get them, you know, and I think... It's, I would like to see us develop, you know, better relationships between players and, um, and the media or coaches in the media because they're, and I know um, some clubs will do training so that um, you can come in and um, someone from the media will explain how it all works. I think an understanding of how it all works makes sense and knowing it, it doesn't have to be us against them and there are different types of um you know platforms and because you mentioned trust before that's what i enjoy doing like my favorite thing to do is to sit down with someone get them to open up and tell their story and i would like to think that that's one of my strengths you know, creating that trust and creating a platform where they can open up um and I feel that's my strength and my strength is not, um, you know, having lots of contacts and getting all the, the whispers and breaking. I'm hearing a, a player's going to this club. That's not really my strength and that's not what really um, I'm most passionate about and that is for some other people and that's a part of the game and that's fine. Um, so, yeah, that's why I think it's not all, we're not, I don't think, we're all bad people and journalists. Like some, it's, I think sometimes players, um, they naturally, if you want to do a story, might think, oh, I don't want to speak to the media. But, you know, at times we can be trying to 
you know, tell a really positive story. And that's what I'm passionate about. I'm passionate about telling a story about someone's journey, about how far they've come, the hurdles they've had to overcome or um, whatever it may be, whether it's an injury or, you know, something with their family. But, you know, I enjoy at the end of the day that storytelling and getting people to open up. So that's what I'm passionate about. Have you had any setbacks um, where you've had to handle something? Have you had any hard times? Well, I guess probably I would say personal, like professional setbacks and personal setbacks, but I think they all kind of blend into one in a sense because they, if you then get over personal setbacks, that makes you better in your career. But I, career-wise... I would say I have not, I wouldn't say there's one defining setback, but things that, something that's always been, um, you know, I worked at Fox for, when I started at Fox 2013 and I, like I would always back myself with my knowledge of league, my work ethic, you know, all the things you probably want. For a reporter, I would say the broadcast quality elements and like my voice is that's always the thing I had to work on. Like that's always been the thing that held me back. And I remember when I was first at Fox, I was allowed to write the packages. I was allowed to voice it. I'd cut, I could, you know, edit on the software, but my boss wouldn't let me voice things and go to air. And this was probably for about two years or maybe not even, maybe 18 months, but, um, and I couldn't believe it. And I used to listen to other voices that would go to air and I would think, well, how is, like, how is that voice any better than mine, you know? And yeah. it used to frustrate me so much. But I went and found a voice coach. So someone had suggested this lady um, who worked for the ABC at the time. So I went and um, so paid for voice coaching myself. I probably had 20 sessions with this lady. And then eventually I was allowed to voice stuff on air. But then it kind of would always be the thing that would hold me back. So we ended up getting a voice coach into Fox who would come in every couple of months and I'd do extra sessions with him as well. And then I'd kind of, I got to the point I was working my way up at Fox. I was out on the road reporting. Then I was like reading the news and then I wanted to get into sideline reporting and I was doing the reserve grade under 20s and I'd said to the boss, if there are any NRL games that pop up, I'd love to do it and fill in. He's like, you're doing a great job. Like your knowledge of the game is great. Like it is, but you just still need to work on your voice. And I just remember at the time, I was like, I just can't believe it that I've still, after like I've done a couple of years of voice training, doing all of this. And every time I hear anything about my voice, I just think, oh, seriously, like I've worked so hard on it. But it's made me such a better reporter because I listen back now to those times like as a beginning in my voice, because I have a really girly voice, a really high pitch voice. So my voice has improved so much. And when I thought, oh, there's not really anything like that wrong with it. And if I had a boss that just let me on air and just let me read the news, let me do all this, it's not like it was so terrible. You'd be like, oh, like, what's that? But it was probably wasn't it's like didn't have a sense of authority to it because it was like a really young girly voice. Like it's not a, and people might not understand it if you're not in the broadcast industry, but like you have to, like if you've got a respected like voice with like authority and taken seriously, it's more like a a deep voice and you might not realize it until, because people probably don't pick up on different pitches and things like that when you're just watching someone. But a lot of work goes into voice quality. So if I didn't have to work and work and work at my voice, probably wouldn't be, well, I definitely wouldn't be in the position I am now and I wouldn't be at the point where I can, you know, I'm hosting things at Channel 9 or filling in reading the sport at Channel 9 and doing sideline reporting. Um, But because I had to work hard because, and that was always the thing, constantly, Oh no, you can't um, voice a package because you, you your voice, or you can't read the news because of your voice. You can't do sideline on the NRL because of your voice, like constantly. But I've worked harder and harder at it to the point where now I'll do my voice exercises every single day before I go on air. 
Like I refuse to go on. I won't. I just won't go on air I until I've done my voice warm up. So, yeah. So we were going in all angles there. A lot of chat around mutual interest in that sport, yeah. but this is where I want to go. Yeah. Because there's young girls out there now who are striving to get a, a career like yours. Like, whether you like it or not, you're the face on the news. You are the one that girls are inspired by mm. at the moment. Nobody knew until right now, I didn't know, how hard you actually worked on yeah. the voice. And you still do your voice exercises yeah. every day. It's funny. It's no People different can't believe it, to an athlete yeah. who got told, no, nah, you're kicking games, no good. So yeah. you have to keep practice, practice, yeah. practice. It's no different. It's no different that, no, nah, your game management, you need to learn a little bit more here. So you have to go and study the game or, yeah. or you need to get stronger or bigger or lose weight or whatever it is. Yeah. It's no different. Yeah. It's the same. But you some, were getting knocked back, knocked back, yeah. knocked back. And some people think years. you just go, you just like go on air and and you're just like ready to go on air. But well, I had to. I for two years I couldn't actually go on air, and then I probably had another period where I was held back from doing sideline on the NRL. I was allowed to do the under twenties, and I remember when I'd. Um, wanted to just voice something to first go on air. Like every week I'd voice a package and I'd take it to my boss. I'm like, what do you think now? And he's like, it's better, but no, not yet. Wow. And I'm like, oh. And then another, he's like, don't just keep coming to me. Like every, uh, every week I'd voice something. I'd work on it. I'd stay back. I'd practice. He's like, it's, it's better, but no, you still can't go on air. I love and this. And he had said to me at the time, like, why are you in a rush? Because you... I said, well, because I want to do this stuff. He said, yeah, but wouldn't you rather do it well and be good at it? Like make sure you're ready to go on air, especially because when you go on air and you're scrutinised, like you, people can form opinions quickly and, oh, like she's a, got a shit voice or she's not a good reporter or whatever it is. Like make sure you do it well. And everyone has, like all bosses will have different opinions. Some bosses um, might not have ever had a problem with my voice, but it's certainly so much better to the point where now even, like, it still gets better, even though I'm, you know, I am a host now and I, my voice is good enough to be on air and to be a host, I still am working on it to the point where I listen to things I did last year and think, oh, like, I, I, my voice is even better this year compared to what it is last year because I do the exercises every single day. What are the exercises? So they're, everyone always laughs at me because... Well, my friends, like, if I do the exercises to them. So the first few are, like, diaphragm breathing. So you'd have to, like, breathe, like, out for four. So you go out for four, hold for seven, and then back in for eight. And it's opening up your diaphragm. That's the first part because... There'd be people driving now yeah. doing this right It's this like second. It's very technical, so but... Out for four. Yeah, so you'd go, like, like, four, hold for seven. Sorry, in for four. So, so, so you go, yeah, so you, okay, you're breathing in, in but your before. diaphragm is going out. Yeah. So if you put, if people are listening, they can't see, but like you'd put your hands on your diaphragm. So if you breathe in, you can feel your diaphragm expand and fill up your hands. Yeah. So the, because sometimes people breathe the wrong way. So when you breathe in, you're like, your diaphragm should be expanding and you're filling up yeah. with air. And then when you breathe out, your diaphragm's coming in so you're holding then for seven you're just holding to like make sure you're filling up and then you breathe out just so it's like exaggerating those in yeah. and out movements because you it's technical but your breath needs to be to be deep it needs to come from low yeah, right. so if you are just breathing from your chest and like sort of nasal passage it sounds high-pitched and some people might naturally have a really deep, husky voice that's perfect for broadcast, right? Yeah. Naturally, and might not have to work at it. So it's even just in sports, some people, um, just an example, like my, my brother was like, um, had to work a lot on his mobility and some people might need a lot of mobility work yeah. and warm-ups before they go out in the field. But some, but your body might be different to mine and require different warm-ups. Like, yeah. So some people might not have required the, um, the extent of voice training that I had because I had a naturally really high-pitched voice. 
but you have to try and get it low. So the diaphragm exercises, they're the first thing. And then it's like getting the vibrations going. So like you'd have to do like the, like all those sort of, like I do them now, like when I part the time, it just bags me out and he'll, yeah. he'll start doing going, but like in doing all your vowel sounds with the vibrations. So. Oh, really? Yes, I'd go. But it's like all your um, like different sound. It's like getting vibrations yeah. out through your mouth, which sounds very like anyone yeah. I've ever lived with. If I live with my mom, my brother, they can hear me like doing them in my room or something, and they just pay the shit out of me. But, but it look sounds where you weird. are now. It I sounds love weird. This story. It sounds very weird, and I do them every day because I'm refuse to I'm I'm not going to go on air once where I haven't given myself the best opportunity for my voice to sound at its best and because it does it genuinely does make a difference like it sounds it's like I have to warm my body up I have to get my diaphragm ready to have a deeper voice you just said stuff that honestly will relate to anybody of any industry because you just said you've got to give yourself every opportunity to perform well that yeah that's like any reserve grade player you have to be ready because when when it's your time yeah and you get one first impression like you're making a first impression every day on camera yeah to somebody and the way you're talking about preparation i think it's inspiring i like I hope i don't think my daughter watches my podcast yeah. but i hope she sure. listens that no matter what she's doing, no matter yeah. where she wants to go in her life, preparation and even setbacks and how you handle it. And you went and paid for your own training. Yeah. That's like an athlete going and paying for their own extra work. Or yeah. Like it's an investment in... in um, it's worth investing. You know. And even though I got to a point for a while, it's like almost got on air and it's like I didn't, wasn't doing them as much like back when I was still at Fox because I thought, oh... Well, I've been, I'm allowed to do these things now. I don't really need to do them every now and then. But now I'm at the point where I'm like, well, no, if it's going to make me better. And to the point now, even recently, I might do them. So I, generally I do it when I'm in the car because I'm on my own and it's easier. If you're not listening to this podcast. Yes, of yeah. course. So yeah. it's easy because no one's around. I don't have to bother anyone. Yeah. Um, so it's easiest to do it in the car, but then... Sometimes I might, if that was in the morning, might be reading the news at night. Like maybe I'll just go into the voice booth at work and I might do another lot. Or I've actually started only in the last, like probably this year, um, just reflecting and like on setting goals and what I want to do. I'm like, well, my voice can still get better. So I'll do it on the way. But then before I voice my package for on air, I'll just do them again. I'm like, well, twice in one day doing them is better than yeah. one day. But the funniest bit, which sometimes my friends laugh at, is so sometimes if I have to get a flight to because I will do every Sunday game so I lump a Channel Nine, so I might fly to Melbourne or the Gold Coast or something, and I might have to get a six a.m. flight to get there for the footy show and everything, and I get up and I'm rushing and I haven't done them. I'm like, oh, well, I'm now at the ground, so I'll go to the bathroom, and I'll do them in the bathroom, but. Like the breathing stuff you can do if no one's there. Because it's, it's like, you know, I think it's before anyone's arrived at the stadium, right? Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. There might be people there, like the cleaners and the chefs and anything. I'm like, oh, I'll start doing the, like, vibration ones. Like, but, duh, gut. I'm like, oh, but what if people are walking past? It sounds weird. So I'll, like, put the dryer, like the hand dryer on. And do it. And I'll just be like, but, duh, gut. And I'll do them. Because I'm like, oh, I've got to find a way to do them before I go on air. Which sounds very great. weird, but I'm like, I can't not do them. I'll find a way to Well, I love this. So you were them. you were trying to make your way. You kept getting setback after setback. Mm. You trained hard. You invested in your extra training. Mm. And here you are now in probably a job where every, every journalist who's trying to make their way, they'd love to be working on Channel 9, right? That's yeah. like the pinnacle. Yeah. Um, but I, I appreciate you sharing that hard time and it turned into an inspiring little story. I think that you just um, just always try and find a way for things. Like I, um, I, I always used to think like, oh, like I'll 
when the boss would say that and like I respected the boss but I'd always be like oh I'll show you like I'll show you um yeah I'll get to the point where you know I've got a voice that can go on air and and I but I'm not I I agree listening back now I do think he was right my voice did need work but you know it just made me more determined so I think all of those um setbacks uh, they help you and but I was always very and still am like very determined and even with work um there'd be a time you know when I wanted to do I was voicing packages my early days at Fox and I wanted to be on camera like to start practicing doing that stuff but there were lots of people ahead of me doing rugby league and we had the netball rights at the time and I loved my netball so I had suggested doing these segments and um and just like finding ways, like rather than just thinking, okay, well, I can't be on camera because I've got all of these rugby league reporters in front of me. Like, I'll find a way find a to, way. Yeah. and like netball was the avenue because no one was doing netball yeah. and I liked netball. Um, so I had gone to our boss in news at the time and suggested doing this segment. And again, I don't know whether he didn't want me to do it. He didn't think I was up to doing it because I hadn't really done stuff on camera. But I remember there were just excuses like, oh, but we don't have the, the studio space. So I went to the rugby guys and I said, oh, can we, like, what time do you have your rugby studio? Can we use it after that? And I'm like, I've sorted the studio. Yeah. He's like, oh, yeah. The only thing is, like, if we, um, like, yeah, because if you have a guest, we have to pay them. We can't really afford it. So, yeah, we, we can't pay a guest. And so I went up to the head of... Um, so Keely Devery, who was head of rugby and netball at the time, she had um, helped me with it and help out the studio space. She said, well, we'll pay for our department, for the, the broadcasters, like their, um, it's just different budgets basically. Yeah. She's like, we'll pay for it as part of the broadcast budget so you don't have yeah. to pay it for news. So I went back and I said, I've sorted, I've it. sorted you, it. You don't have to pay for Shiny Layton. I've got the studio space. Yeah. And I remember, I think there was one other thing, like one other reason he's like, oh, I can't. And then the end, I'm like, he's like, okay. I'm like, I've sorted the budget. I've sorted the yeah. studio. I've sorted this. And I'm like, you just find a way to do it because you might not. I wasn't going to get an opportunity doing NRL yet, but I, mean, I found a way. And the first thing I did on camera for Fox was a netball segment every week with Shiny Layton. So we did a like review, a preview of all the games coming up. Yeah. Um, and then we also did a review segment like after the weekend. So. So that was your debut. My first on thing on camera, camera was netball. netball segment. And because I thought, okay, I've got to find a way. Like you have to create your own opportunities. Like things aren't just going to land in your lap. And you're not going to get everything straight away. Like if I said, oh, like back then I want to do sideline already. Like you've, yeah. you've barely even been on camera. You haven't read the news. You want to go into the cup. Like you have to be realistic. But yeah, I think you, because it's such a competitive industry, you have to find a way to, um, to work your way up because... People yeah. aren't just going to come like, hey, w would you love this opportunity? How about we do this? Like you have to come up with um, like ways that you can work your yeah. way up well yourself done. really. So Well done, that, that, that was, debut. So that was the was first kind well of. Well earned. Um, and I dare say there was lots of work on the way up, which was you would have worked for free. You would have put in time that like. Yeah, I did heaps it, of work for free. Like yeah, yeah. it was funny the. Um, we're just sort of going like back a little bit. But I, so at uni I did um, journalism, I had communications and journalism, but then I wasn't exactly sure if I wanted to do that. Yeah. Well, I, I loved sport, but I also wanted, well, I liked, um, you know, I liked, I liked, I was confused when I was picking my preferences after the HSC. Like, do I want to do law? Do I want to do medicine? Do I want to do, like, I, I wanted to do, there were so many different things I thought I could maybe do. And yeah. I got a good, um, it was UAI at the time. And I finished journalism. I thought, but what if, like, what if I wanted to do law? Or I do like finance and numbers. And I just had all these, like, my head was just kind of all over the place. So I went back and did um, commerce um, like a master's of commerce and I was working at a law firm for 18 months. So before I even started working at Fox, I was working at Minter Ellison at a law firm right. there for 18 months. And then 
what happened when I was there, I realised, I thought, I actually don't think this kind of, like, doing something in, like, corporate and law, like, I don't think that's for me. And it was a good experience because at least it taught me that I didn't want didn't to do want that. To do and it was a great yeah. experience. I was working directly with the partners of the firm on, like, um, like private equity deals, mergers and acquisitions and all this. So it was, like, it was pretty cool. Like, you're working on big stuff, but I just knew it wasn't for me. Yeah. So then when I... Um, wanted to I'd kind of forgotten about this until we're just sort of at them but I basically I realized that I wanted to do journalism I thought actually no that's that's the it. path I want to go back down so had someone had put me in touch with the boss at Fox and I had emailed and he said just come in for a sh like a shadow shift and see if you like it um so I had and then it's like oh just keep coming in for these types of things I'm like oh well I can't really do it like I'm gonna have to start taking sickies from like I'm there's not a way I'm going to be able to do this and eventually I thought you know what, I'm just going to bite the bullet like I was getting quite a few of them yeah. as like just like um shadowing shifts I thought if I don't want to be in the law firm so I left there and I was getting all these sh like shifts for a couple of weeks at Fox. And then they made like half their newsroom redundant. They did this big restructure. Yeah. And then said, oh, actually, well, I've just made half the newsroom redundant. We like, we can't give you any shifts. So I'd left this job. Yeah. So all of a sudden I didn't have a job. So I, I, took, I, I took the risk and I thought, okay, I'm getting some shadow shifts. This is what I want to chase. Oh, do this, and then two weeks later, I'm thinking, oh, what have I done? What have I done? I don't have a, I don't have a job, like at all. Like I don't. I yeah. left the law firm. I left a like. I a mean, I was job. still a grad role, but pretty well paying yeah. grad role. I probably earned more at the law firm than I did for the next six years at Fox Sports, to be honest. Yeah. Um. I was living at home, thankfully, so yeah. it wasn't the end of the world. But then I, so I was just doing do doing a bit of like casual work, doing sports stuff at schools. Yeah. Um, I had like contacted 2SM. So I was doing like a one, one show a week on a Friday afternoon with Graham Hughes and 2SM just yeah. to like find things to do. But I just kept hassling Fox and can I come back? Oh, it's still, we just can't really. It's um, so good. Like you just. And then he just, in the end, I think he was just like this, Bitch is so annoying. Like, up. honestly, let's just like give her. So he gave me, he's like, you can come in, but I can't. We've just made everyone redundant. Like, I can't pay you. Yeah. So I did like three months, just went in for free in the hope that I'm like, surely when they can hire someone. Well, not many kids will do gonna that. Be, now. It's going to be me because I've just done three months for free. There's not many kids will do that. Yeah. Free work. Yeah. But I have. That, that's that's a difference. The free work is where it get, gets you where you want to yeah, be. Yeah. So. Even yeah. when I was doing, I was at Fox Sports News, but then the Fox League department was separate. Yeah. And I wanted to do, again, I just think they're just like, this girl's hassling me so much. We'll just give her a go to shut her up. But yeah. like, oh, I'd love to do sideline. Like we don't really have budget. We've already got heaps of people, which is fair enough. Yeah. Um, I'm like, oh, well, I, don't, I don't mind doing it. Like I'm paid. And I probably maybe wasn't up to doing NRL sideline yeah. at that stage, but then... So they gave me under 20s and Canterbury Cup. So yeah. I did sideline for those two for two years, like unpaid. So I did two games a week, like every every week this. unpaid for yeah, two years. For two years. And my boss at Fox Sports News at the time was thankfully like very flexible. Yeah. So what I'd say if I was on the Saturday night shift at Fox Sports News and so like um, – you know how 20s at the time started earlier, it might be like, yeah. you know, 11 a.m. game. So I might go do two games. So get to the ground at nine, do two games, go back to Fox Sports News and I might have to get there an hour or two late. But yeah. he's like, that's all right. Like you're doing this stuff for free and then work to Fox Sports News to 1 a.m. on the on news desk or whatever. Um, and I remember this, I did it the first year. I remember the second year thinking like, surely these guys are going to pay me this year. And they didn't, but I'm like, oh, and look at I'll you just now. do it. Look I'll just still do it anyway. Now you're the highest it's paid. All, <laughs> but I wish. It's all worth it in the end. But I remember there are times I'm like, you, is this worth it? I'm like, this is bullshit. I'm doing this for free again. I bet you you end up being the highest paid 
in your field one day. One day, and that would be nice. And we'll go back and listen to this and we'll yeah, be reminding see, young yeah. kids now. Like, So even sharing a little bit of my journey. So I was working at the Parramatta Eels and when I first started was a little part-time type bit but do lots of work for free. Brian Smith walked over one day and said, do you want to work for me full-time? Yeah. Part of that job was half my contract was to put next to the rugby league team and half was the soccer team. They had a soccer team called Power Power. And I was in like the, the physical area. And then Brian then said to me, I'd like you to come in 6 a.m. every Saturday morning, Sunday morning, post game and sit with the coaching staff yeah. and analyze the game with the staff. So you're talking 6 a.m. on a Sunday when everyone else my age at the time was probably laying in bed still hungover. Mm. And that time for me, so I didn't have to do that. That wasn't part of my job. This was this was free unpaid work where I got to sit and study the game to the level of detail that I look back now, it's been so helpful for the rest of my career. Brian really did that to me. Yeah. And I, I even thanked him for it recently. I said, mate, those 6 a.m. Sunday mornings for free, even the first year when I was part-time coming in, it was priceless experience, priceless learning. There's stuff that is within me now that can't take away from me because it was just pumped into me for years and years and years under coaches like him. Yeah. And um, But I look back, like I did so much stuff for free when I started in that game and everyone did. So that's that's It's worth great, it. And yeah. even um, a family friend of ours, um, she's at uni and she had called me a couple of weeks ago and just wanted advice and she's yeah at uni and she's trying to work as well um, to get money and then had been offered this job doing um, I think a bit of stuff for like working for New South Wales Rugby League on like the lower grades like writing yeah. articles and stuff yeah um, but and she was asking me like you know it's it's basically it's so much of her time by the time you drive to it and but she also needs to go and earn money. Yeah. Um, like, do you think it's worth it? And I didn't, I, I called her and I, because well, she had messaged me and instead of just messaging back, I thought I'm going to call her because I want to really stress. Yes. Like not just, yes, it's worth it. Like it is, it'll make all the difference because if you're going and doing, oh, I don't even think, I think it might've, they paid like a hundred bucks or something. So it's basically for free. It's not yeah. really like work, but um like that will not only you'll learn so much to start with, like just getting your foot in the industry, but then when you go and try and get another job, the fact that you've done that stuff, like it helped them. Like, don't think, don't think about the fact that you're not, yeah. um, if you're not earning money, or even if it's just like crappy money, like in the beginning, it will, like it will pay off. It will. It eventually will. And I mean, there are times like yeah, for for two years when I'm doing free stuff, and I'm thinking yeah. Yeah. bullshit that I'm still doing it for free but it I think it was at the time I'm I had doubts like is if it was worth it but it definitely was worth it in the yeah. end so I always would say like do all that free stuff well I uh I love that you've just led me in because I want to know your story and your journey but I should go back on that intro it's not just rugby league your debut on camera was in front of a, a camera for netball and I believe your training through all this rugby league world i'm only predicting this but you are going all the way in this journalism space i've got no doubt we'll see you on the olympic coverage and you'll be covering all sports and wherever i wouldn't mind knowing what your goals are i don't know um, where you're heading but i feel i feel like you've got years and years of work and foundation that if the foundation is this big, the peak's like way up here. Like you haven't got a small foundation, you're going to peak here. Yeah. You've got this massive foundation and I believe like sky's the limit type stuff. But take me through your journey. How did it start and what made you decide I want to be a journalist? And then was there any idols along the way that you followed? And has anyone taken you under their wing that has taught you a lot? Yeah, so... So the start, so the journey, well, I always loved writing and public speaking. So I always at school, you know, I enjoyed whenever it was the subjects where you had to get up and do a speech. So, or, and always loved writing as well. So was probably always inclined to 
go down this path at some point. But I also then enjoyed quite a, a different number of things. So when I finished my HSC, I was quite confused as to what I wanted to do. Do I go physio, medicine, law, whatever it may be? Um, and eventually had chosen to go down the journalism path. Um, but yeah, eventually then ended up, long story short, I started at Fox. I'd moved my way to Channel 10, um, ended up at now at Channel 9 and doing radio along the way. So doing, um, I've been doing Triple M for about eight years now. So, but it's funny talking about like goals because I'm always someone that's, have all, I've always been very um, determined and goal oriented and I used to always write down my goals at the start of every year or even start of every week and um, and I still do set goals but um, something that I've been working on over the last few years is not just being um, just focused on the goal and not enjoying the journey because I think I was always I'm such a perfectionist I every, everything I did I would um I'd criticize everything I did, like I'd finish a story or a live cross and I'd look at everything I did wrong with that and needed to do better. And I'd, whatever I was working towards, if I wanted to, okay, I want to voice my first package on air or I want to read the news or do my first sideline, I'd get to that point and it's like I was, not that I wasn't happy along the way, but you never really like soak everything up and think, how good is this? I'm working here at Fox Sports or Channel 9 and you just want to get to that goal. And as soon as I got to a certain goal, it's like it's almost you don't like not grateful for it or not proud. And it's just like, okay, what's on to the next? So I've tried to, and I still try to set goals, yeah. but I was always just, okay, got to get to this point. Okay, what's next? What's next? It's like, well, if you're never going to actually be proud of yourself and be happy of what you have achieved, like, what's the point? So enjoy I've, the journey. Yeah, so I've like massively been on the last three years on this kind of um, like period, like I guess a journey for myself of trying to enjoy my journey and appreciate where I'm at. And like I still have goals and I still at, um, the start of every week, I might, I want to try and get this done today. I might want to have this meeting, speak to the boss about, um, being involved in this game or this production. So I'm still like very determined and goal driven, but, um, trying to be a lot about, you know, enjoying the journey along the way, which I think is okay. good for anyone. It would be an athlete or like anyone. Well, it's a life lesson. I think. Isn't that funny that now you're living like that? enjoying every month and enjoying the journey and probably living more a little bit true to yourself mm. isn't it funny that the trophy just takes care of itself like that is the, it's so true that's it, what happens it, it, it's the same in in sport so if, if i if i have a team of players or even myself if i if i live like we like to say authentically to me yeah. and what my philosophy and vision is if i live to that and tick that off, then the trophy, which we all want, the trophy takes care of itself. And it's the same with players um, or, or athletes. A lot of them came, come into the game with a real rookie mind of loving life and enjoying mm. the journey, and it's all part of the journey, and you see opportunity in losing and winning. There's, and then they go through this real stressful time where it's a bit like what you used to do. Yeah. Overanalyze things. Yeah. Weight of the world on their shoulders and... And then they get to the back end and they go, you know what, I'm going to enjoy the journey. And, yeah. and, and they play their best. Yeah. The back end. Isn't it funny when you just live that way, the trophy kind of takes care yeah. of itself. So I guess a trophy for you is you're, at, you're in Channel 9, you're the top job, but the way you're living, it's... Um, it makes all know. the difference. Like yeah. it's so, And footy players used to say it sometimes. And honestly, as a journalist, if they'd say, oh, no, honestly, like, I'm not saying, like, I want to play Origin or I wanted this. I just, like, yeah. I really want to, like, it's about the process. Focus and I used to go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah like, sure, show, like, please. How true is please. it? Please. And it's so true. Yeah. And I, um, and it's funny, like, sometimes you, it might be a, a setback or a struggle that 
um, I don't know if it forces you to reevaluate things, but sometimes it might. And I feel like I did a lot of more work on that type of stuff, like mindset and um, personal development more so in the last three years, but probably only came about as a result of things in my personal life because I had split up with my ex-partner and um, I was living on my own, probably had more time to myself and you just get a bit more reflect. You just kind of like, yeah. you know, when big things happen in your life, you I don't know, had more time to myself, became a bit more reflective, but also um, met a friend, my neighbour actually, who is um, an executive coach who does a lot of career coaching with like um, MBA students, but also like mindset work. And yeah. so um, I became really fascinated with all this stuff to it, um, yeah, mindset and personal growth. And because she was really into yeah. that and I did a few coaching sessions with her and she gave me a lot of books to read and it kind of only, um, yeah, it was been the last, like I was always very determined, but it was, I just took a different outlook on, like I've learned, I feel like I've learned so much in the last few years, but I feel like maybe if I didn't have that um, hard period in my personal life where my life kind of changed and then, ended up, you know, like having to move to a new place and being on my own. I, I met her as a result. I feel like the hard times. I love it. Can, so my it own was the journey. Best, best thing that ever happened to me like, that yeah. I, yeah. My own journey and let's say midway through. So I've, I've been working now in elite sport for 25 years and what uh, happened to me midway through that, I started to work with Brad Fittler. Yeah. We went away on a... NRL All-Stars camp, Wayne Bennett was the coach, yeah. Brad was the assistant, and me and Brad were rooming next to each other and we, we, we started working a lot together and he was doing a lot of work on himself as well. Yeah. So he'd recently lost his job with the Roosters yeah. as head coach and we went on this bit of a path and we worked together every year with the city origin teams and tinkered away and we knew how he'd eventually run his origin camps. Now, you might remember when we first jumped into origin, everyone thought, he was off the planet with yeah. all this mind stuff. Yeah. But we were so into that. If you front load that part of your life and and you front load it as actual training, when you come under pressure situations, you'll be able to stay much calmer and, yeah. and get through things. So that first year in origin, they, you know, the the perception was we were on hippie camp, you know, yeah, walking and the, the, that's and what that's what we do, were doing, doing stories on the meditation, meditation and the, the feet. visualization yeah. and and fast forward five, six years now and every team would be doing that. They every all do. You see them even in some of the games, they're doing the, game, the breathing, breathing, yeah. So, so I think, um, yeah, Freddie and I were big believers in that, that mindset space, but him in particular, I think he was a bit of innovative there where people thought he was crazy. But then you go back, you know, go back coaches that coached the Chicago Bulls like yeah. 20, 30 years ago winning NBA championships. They were doing it, you know, and then it went on to like the Jordans and the Kobe Bryants. And then yeah. eventually now you walk into a dressing room before a game and you'll see half the players. They're all doing meditating. that. Stuff. I think so it makes all the difference. You have a little bit of that in, in your own routine? Yeah, I do um, so much of that sort of, yeah, and it's only been the last few years that I've started doing that and probably really um, because I had met um, Kiralee, my yeah. friend who is this coach and did a lot of work with her and um, Kiralee Middleton, if you yeah. want anyone wants to look her up on LinkedIn, yeah, she's yeah. a, a um, super, super intelligent, yeah. um, really inspiring woman and I've become good friends with her. But I, through doing a couple of these coaching sessions with her, um, started implementing a routine of um, of mindfulness every morning. Yeah. So I will do mindfulness every single day. Yeah. And it could take different forms. So I sometimes will do guided meditations and I have some different ones. Um, or what I started to do with her, just the, the basic ones, I got in a routine of doing um a few things that I'm grateful for. So I do gratitude and affirmation. So every morning, yeah. what am I grateful for? And just take a moment to be calm, like a few deep breaths, think of what I'm grateful for, but not just think, oh, 
oh, I'm grateful for my boyfriend, I'm grateful for my job, but actually like feel how like, yeah. oh, like actually not just um, physically think about it, but to actually like feel the gratitude, if that yeah. makes sense. And, uh, and it's whatever kind of comes to your mind. And sometimes a few mornings in a row, the same things might kind of happen, come to mind, or it might be something from a bit few months ago, a few years ago that might pop into my mind. Like it's funny how your mind will just, yeah. based on what's happened that day or that week, things might pop into your mind. And then I'll do um, affirmations every morning. So at the start of our sessions we had, um, and I guess it's all individual and what you want to work on, but on what I wanted to, what I valued, like who I wanted to be. And so I will have um, these affirmations that, I will say each morning, right? So I start off with, you know, like I am strong because yeah. I would like think like I'm really strong and sometimes things, um, so I'll just think I am strong and like just like let that sit with me for a bit and work what comes into my mind and you might think of something. The whole idea is thinking of things that would validate that for you. It's about yeah. rewiring your brain to for you to think, yeah, like I'm strong. Yeah. and. Yeah. I might think of something like a tough time I went through and got through it. That might pop into my mind. Um, it might be if something at the gym I might think of, like I might be physically strong, whatever it is. Um, you know, and then I have, I am intelligent. And so I think of that and then something might pop into my mind of, you know, when I was doing a live cross and I, like I memorised all these stats off the top of my head or whatever it might be. They try and think of examples that like validate um, that, affirma that affirmation for you yeah, and like rewiring your brain. And it doesn't, you're not automatically going to like change. It's kind of like, I guess you take years and years and years throughout your childhood to um, develop your view of the world and your perspective and your values. So you can't just change it overnight, but if you work at it and slowly chip away, you can rewire like yeah. your perspective of yourself and your perspective of the world. And I feel like I'm a yeah, much more positive person, more confident in myself, but like you have to do the work on it. And like do I do it every single day. That is so good. So we, I often find myself of late talking with people on these shows and we often refer back to a great few years for me was with the Penrith Panthers. Yeah. And we would, when I first introduced this kind of Freddy type stuff yeah. to the Panthers, like, They're some like guys what's like, wrong, wrong with this bloke? Who is this guy, you know? <laughs> and, and even staff, mm. staff found it pretty hard for me. Like I would make them do yoga, meditation, mm. visualisation every morning and in part of that sometimes I would guide some visualization where they do have to spend a bit of time on what they're grateful for and then set their intentions for the day and then we can then get a little bit specific around what they're about to go and practice mm -hmm. or do um so but at first so people thought what is this and then we just kept believing in just front load this stuff the same way we go in the gym the same mm -hmm. way we go and practice our skills to yeah. develop it this chip away, chip away, chip away until it becomes routine and becomes. And now, like you, you go in their locker room and there'll be blokes meditating that three years ago would start giggling as soon as the meditation started. Yeah. Um, but now they it's part of their routine. So yeah. um, we would then journal it. I don't know if you do any journal. Yeah, I journal we, out as we, well. Yeah. Yeah, we would um, do some breathing, grateful, uh, set their intentions. They write this down. And at the end of every day, they'd write down three good things that happened today. Yeah. So um, journaling became a big thing. But if we could even just share that with the listeners yeah. to um, just, just give it a go. Find like, out I your think, own way to do it. Yeah. But invest some time in that space. Yeah. I think there's so many different ways that you can do it. And even if you're not, op like you're not, that's not something you usually do. Like yeah. if you just give it a go in whatever form, whether it's yeah journaling, um, got like a guided meditation might help. And sometimes I rotate. Like sometimes I'll do um, a guided meditation because I feel like maybe I just need a bit more of a pump up. Sometimes I want to be a bit more calm and just be with my own thoughts. Yeah. Um, 
just depends and, and sometimes it might just be I do the gratitude because I've been doing it for a few years now I might just do the gratitude and affirmations or I might do more visualizing so I think the last sort of few weeks because I'd wanted to I'd been thinking about my goals this year for work and I'd written sort of those down I do more visualizing of me doing those things like me hosting this certain thing on the footy and, and visualise that and how it feels. Like just how players probably visualise themselves going, kicking the winning field goal, right? 100%. So um, I've been doing a bit more of that the last few weeks. So How um, does it look? How yeah. does that feel? Yeah, and the feeling of it too, how I think, is there. Yeah. And because you, it's not just like, oh, I want to do this, but yeah. if you, um, which is like, would go a lot into um, like, Players probably do this with their sports psychologists and so visualization would, and yeah, that type of we thing. We would have a couple of little approaches to that. Visualize as if a camera is on you. Yeah. What does that look like? And then, okay, now let's visualize out of your own eyes. Yeah. What does that look like? And what does that feel like? Yeah. And sometimes, what does that sound like? Um, but yeah, like you are living the life as a as an athlete in your own. In your own world you yeah. think like an athlete it's obviously been an influence on your life you mentioned your brother was a bit of a hero to you yeah. i dare say your your parents seem like they've instilled some values in you and your brother that saw him succeed in his and you're succeeding in yours yeah you my, my brother definitely he i think um well from my parents i think the work ethic part of it, like, you know, yeah. my parents also instilled in us, um, like you got to work hard for everything and, and yeah, we're all very close. And, but because my brother, he was the older brother, like I, I looked up to him with everything and I think, yeah, a few things that I would have taken from them was, um, the work ethic, but, also the like determination and resilience I think I get from my brother and just because he had like I feel like with his career and and that's what what I have to look up to because um like he's like I could have had another you know idol that I looked up to but probably the one who I um would say my values are most based on them would be my brother and that because his career was yeah, he was successful and he played for Australia and all of this. But for me, what stands out is his resilience because, like, the amount of setbacks he had was crazy. Like, and setbacks that could have ended his career. Yeah. Like, the dislocated hip, they thought he may never play again because it was, it was out for so long. Bad. And they said with the loss of blood, yeah, you may not never play again. Um, it took like, eight doctors and nurses to get it back in. Um, then he had so many issues after that with like hammies and groin, all of that sort of stuff. He had, but the one that stands out is his, he had a head clash with Ben Maddalino at training in like his second last year of, I think it was, of footy. Um, and he, his face basically collapsed and he has like, I don't know, something like 10 plates in his face, right? Um, and they thought for for a second, like, oh, he could, it wasn't even a matter of, like, whether he'd play footy again. Like, they thought in that moment, like, he, like, might even die when it happened. Like, he was choking on his own blood, like, he couldn't breathe. And he had to actually, in that moment, he said he went into this meditative state when they were waiting because he was choking on his own blood. And I remember Robbie Farrar and Benji tell the story that they, they were crying when it happened, like, to seeing him like that, like his face caved in. They said it's like nothing you've ever seen before. Um, the ambulance took like an hour to get there. Anyway, then he's then he's over there in hospital in New Zealand. They didn't want to fly him back, thought he could lose his eyesight. At this stage, thinking like never play footy again. Went through all of this. The fact that it obviously changes his face a bit and the way he looks, like dealing with that mentally, he, he came back to play footy. Like he'd face yeah. setbacks all along, but that's like, that's a standout yeah, one crazy. where like people say to me, like, I can't believe he came back. But like, seeing him go through all of that, well, for me was so inspiring. Yeah. And like I always, when I go through hard things, sometimes I will, like I do use him as an example and think, oh, like he got through this, you know, and like he definitely was a role model in that sense. And just his attitude, like he... 
but he's very he um is a lot into mindset as well and reads a lot of books and he's got this attitude that well you can't you can't control what's happened right so yeah. he he could feel sorry for himself and like oh you know my face collapsed um I missed a big chunk of footy like it's changed the way my face looks but I can feel sorry for myself and be a victim or I can what benefit can I get from this you know how like I can only control now how I react so I can go and feel sorry for myself or I can try and use it to my benefit and he has done a, like his career took off in a sense of he was doing a lot of um does a lot of public speaking around resilience and using his yeah. story as an example in corporates and so I can't change what's happened and I always use his struggles as an example for myself whether it's career or even even like personal life when I said I had you know split up with my ex-partner and he would use that as an example to me and say Emma can you change that now like no he's like well can you go feel sorry for yourself or you could go focus on yourself why don't what are your goals at work you you have a bit more time now to focus on work like just it's about the way you view a situation like don't have the victim mentality like you can but I feel like I've got a lot of the way I've um my perspective on things from my brother and the way that he has dealt with adversity yeah that's great messages in there like Uh, yeah we had a similar one recently with Anthony Seabold told a story where um, Richard Branson yeah. told him one day, Richard Branson, the owner of Virgin, who owned the London Broncos at the time. Oh, of course, yeah. And Anthony Seabold was about to miss his biggest game ever at Wembley in yeah. front of 90,000. And he just said, you can kick stones yeah. if you want all week, or you can find an opportunity to go and how can you contribute to the team? Yeah. And so having a brother that's played and yeah. you live that side with the family yeah. has been helpful for you because yeah. yeah, your relationships I've noticed with players and staff, they kind of, they know that and they trust yeah. that about you. I think it certainly helped. It's funny, in the beginning, I never really wanted, like when I started out, I never wanted to be known as Chris's sister because I didn't want people to think I only got a job, like my first job in the media at Fox, that I only got that because I was Chris's sister. So I used to hate it if I'd meet someone, whether it was like working at Fox or in the industry or someone in the club, anyone. Oh, are you Chris Lawrence's sister? Yeah. Like I used to hate it so much. But because I thought I want to... Um, make my own name in a sense and I want people to think or respect me as a journalist and not just think, oh, you're there because you knew someone. Yeah. Not that Chris had anything to do with media anyway, but um, it kind of, in the end, I realised that it actually helped and I think people respected me more because they, under okay, you understand the game, how it all works, and even just like with the empathy with players, I can try and see, well, I, I do my best to try and see things from their perspective. So, um, but it's funny, a lot of interviews I would get now, the good ones where I think they open up or ones where um, they might only speak, not that it would happen all the time, but if a player might, only speak to me, but doesn't want to speak to someone else. Um, a lot of the time it comes back to um, they knew Chris at one point, really respected Chris. I've become friends with them as well through Chris. And I think it helps. It's not just the fact that Chris played. But I think I'd be it'd be fair to say Chris was really well respected and yeah. he, um, the way everyone speaks about him, was someone that everyone wanted to play with you know, never put a foot wrong, like was never involved in a scandal, was really well respected. So a lot of the relationships I will develop with players or coaches at one point, they had played with Chris, coached with Chris or, so I in fact find it is, it, it is quite helpful in that sense. But it's in, in a well, different sense. It means that it's a different type of journalism. Players are happy to open up um, on certain things and do, you know, something like this, a sit-down interview and open up, whereas um, at other times, because you are closer to them, 
if you find out information, I wouldn't go and put it out there because I know them. You know, yeah, if I hear yeah, something yeah. through the Tigers or through Chris, I could never have said anything because it would, they would know. Your, yeah, the trust with the Chris. Trust, like yeah, if I'd heard yeah. something from Chris or yeah. um, someone I'm tied with the Tigers. So. The trust is key in, yeah. in any any form of life, yeah. right? But business, coaching, teamwork, whatever. But even in your bit, there's definitely, definitely um, that trust. That trust is very powerful if, if you have it. And I mean, even me and you sitting here now, like I've always wanted to sit there and chat about this with you because because I know you've lived and breathed the family life of a player. Yeah. And. And it's funny, like when when I first met you in and around the game, I actually didn't know you were Chris's sister. Mm. So take that as a wrap. Yeah, you okay. you you made your own. There we go. You, you made your own way in that world, and then I forget which club I was working at. Oh, that's Chris's sister, and like so I've worked with Chris before. I'd coached there before, and yeah. I'd um I loved him. You know, like his work ethic, his professionalism, his respect for teammates respect for staff like everything like yeah you could not love what he was about as a person so when someone said to me oh, that's chris's sister yeah. there was an instant respect yeah you know um so yeah it, it that just goes to it show happens, like it does and know? i don't know why well i do know i mean i didn't i wanted to make sure that i i didn't want to think i'd um people to think i'd been given a free ride but it took me a while to realise that, the respect factor. Yeah. Um, Listening to this now, knowing that you lived it, breathed it, brought up in the sport, your knowledge of the sport, like I've spoken to you off camera a lot yeah. and you you think like a coach. You told me once you listened to the Wayne Bennett episode yeah. of our podcast because you love listening to coaches mm. and and you listen and learn. You told me you've listened to all my episodes of with coaches. Yeah, the coaches ones. You know, so, I've listened to more of the coach ones than the other ones. So yeah. you've lived and breathed it. So any players now know you have this empathy for them because yeah. you know what it's like as a family member. The coaches know that your knowledge is fantastic of the yeah. game. I wouldn't mind finishing up with, I've been asking some guests, yeah. a favourite book. So it's The Empowerment Dynamic by David Emerald. That's the first one she gave me. And um, it's turning that into, rather than being the victim, like it's that triangle, the triangle now changes to like the creator and the like inspirer or something. So you, you create your life, like you're not a victim. Yeah. You are the creator of your life. So you go and visualize what you want, you go and, um, yeah, come come up with ways that you want to achieve what you want, but you have control over your life. Like you have to work hard at it, yes, which um, is true. And it's not always perfect. Like things are, yeah. um, I, you know, she, like Kiralee had said to me one thing about, you know, you don't think, oh, I've done, I've done all this meditation work. I've um, done a bit of coaching or whether you've seen a psychologist or whatever it is, it's not like you're fixed, you know, no, like no. how I'm enlightened, I've done all this stuff. Like it always takes work. Like like my, I just, and Constant work. I do mindfulness every day. I do my voice work every day because I know things take work and even being a perfectionist, sometimes I slip back into, oh, like I might watch a live cross I've done and I'll slip back into watching it 10 times and criticizing myself, but like I can get out of it quicker. Like instead of being stuck in this hole, like you might have down days, you might be hard on yourself, but like if you work at it every day, I feel like you can pick yourself up quicker. Yeah. Like the, the dips will be less frequent and you can get out of it quicker. I love it. I think. Finally then, you do a lot of voice work. Yes. Give me one tip for me because I want to keep it cool and casual and like we're sitting having a coffee or a beer with my listeners. Yes. But one little tip that could take me down this path. One little tip. Well, um, I just think, I think the energy is, is good. Like I think, cause that particularly if it's audio, like you can just capture attention with energy without 
having to make you do lots of vibration exercises and okay. voice work, but okay. just like, but still be yourself. Finish so. with that. Well, thanks heaps for your time. <laughs> Thank you for having well me. Well done for everything you've achieved and Thank where you're you. going. And um, thanks for inspiring some listeners out there and in particular some young girls as well and females. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Some of the best learning you will ever do will be traveling. Give yourself space, time to creatively think, to learn, to meet people, or take a vacation with your family. Give yourself that time. And there's no better person or people or company to help you than the people at Tripadeal. Their experienced agents will look after you from start to finish. They will plan your flights, your accommodation, your car, your excursions, whatever you need. If you want to plan a trip of a lifetime, Tripadeal is the place to go. Tripadeal.com.au.